You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Kenneth. And tonight we're looking at the sixth episode of Series 2 of Star Hunter Redux, entitled Becoming Shiva. Episode synopsis. And I'm going to try to do this with a straight face. Okay. In a disused, restricted section of Ring Shepherd Station in orbit around Saturn, Salvatore and Nelson, two terrorists from Terra's children, plant a bomb and they leave. To their surprise, two civilians enter the unused area just as the bomb is about to detonate. Nelson wants Salvatore to stop the explosion, but he lets it continue, killing the two men in addition to damaging the station. This is the first time Terra's children have killed. The cops from Jupiter Federation are concerned at this change in tactics by Terra's children. They are a radical group dedicated to the cause of rehabilitating the Earth, and they've chosen to do this not by rehabilitating the Earth, but by attacking other planetary federations that have no jurisdiction or political control over the Earth. Rumors are that they'll be striking Sin City 10 next, because the Ring Shepherd Station crime was out of their jurisdiction, they've hired Travis Montana to capture Salvatore, the leader of Terra's children, and turn him over to Saturn authorities. Somehow, preventing a crime in their jurisdiction is complicated by their previous crime being committed in another jurisdiction, hence the need for Montana and the gang. In Sin City, Salvatore and Nielsen have gone to great lengths to enter undetected, and now they privately discuss their next action. Nielsen is distressed that they've started killing, but Salvatore thinks it's time to step up the pressure on the people who have no jurisdiction over the fate of Earth. He detects Nielsen's reluctance, and they split up. He plants a bomb in a busy area. Nielsen, suspicious of Salvatore, follows him, disables and then begins disarming the bomb. Although they were careful to avoid detection, they weren't careful enough to evade the facial recognition technology of an antique luxury liner's hospitality AI, and Travis and the gang soon have an ID on Nelson and a tail on her. Callie takes her down, and they lock her up on the Transutopian and head for Saturn. Travis wants information on Salvatore from her, and he's willing to play nice to get it. She won't budge. Callie and the others just want to torture her for the information, but but Travis says no. Meanwhile, they discover that Nelson was disarming the bomb. Hmm, interesting. Good thing they didn't torture her. Maybe she's a terrorist with a heart of gold. At Ring Shepherd, something goes wrong. They're not allowed to dock and are required to bring the prisoner over by shuttle. They also insist on sending over their own security to inspect the Transutopian. This, of course, is all a ruse. Terra's children have infiltrated Ring Shepherd's security and Harbor Master's office. The inspection team is really an invasion team intending to take over the ship. Travis returns and gets lucky, killing the infiltration team. Now, without consulting anyone, Percy tortures Nelson and gets the info they need. The location of Salvatore and his base, which is on the smallest moon of Jupiter. 
It's going to be a tricky navigational feat, but after a meaningless lesson from Caravaggio about Lagrange points, they get there. Inside, Salvatore and his terrorist cronies are easy pickings. In fact, it's almost too easy. Travis, on his lonesome, takes three handcuffed prisoners back to the Transutopian in a shuttle and leaves behind Callie and Rudolfo to guard three more very docile and smug prisoners. Callie detects a bomb that will kill them all, and she and Rudolfo run to another shuttle and head back to the Transutopian, leaving the three smug prisoners to die in the explosion. On board the Transutopian, professional bounty hunter Travis Montana is unable to escort three handcuffed prisoners aboard his own ship, and they escape and take his gun. On board the shuttle, Callie and Rudolfo come across orbital simulations that indicate they've been planning things for months because somehow you can tell that from simulations? Salvatore releases Nelson, who it turns out has been faking all along. She's all for killing those can dwellers in retaliation for her child dying of cancer because cancer sucks. But apparently it sucks less in space. Their diabolical, intricately plotted scheme to use the Transutopian and ram Adrastia into a collision with Jupiter, killing three billion people. Salvatore leaves everyone else aboard the Transutopian and heads out on a shuttle to escape. Luckily, the shuttle Callie is on has a particle beam and she disables Salvatore's shuttle, so rather than die himself, he agrees to stop. Nelson, however, is still bent on committing suicide and continues. Travis saves the day by shooting Nelson. The end. All right. What did you think of this episode? I've watched it. I've watched it just a few hours ago, and um, I've, it, it it held my attention. And uh, even though I'd seen it, I don't know how many times before, but it still held my attention. I would say that it's it would have been a entertaining piece of fluff uh, that I you know watched through and didn't have any problem watching until. Till basically we got to the end, and they want us to believe that all of this was brilliantly planned from the word go. And at that point, it just fell apart so bad, it wasn't even funny. Sorry, badly. Um, the fact that, that Nelson is faking the whole time? So she was, I don't know, faking on the... the I don't know that she was. Privately dis- you think she just had a change of heart? I think she had a change of heart in the cell. That's not what Nail or what Salvatore said, though. He said well, that's why I put her on there. It's what it's possible that he knew that about her. Okay, but, but there's more to this. At the there's time, yeah. They also needed the Transutopian. Yes. Not just any bounty hunter ship. They needed a big, clunky old liner because probably most bounty hunters are not running around in such big massive ships it's a big massive ship with two reactors yeah so that means that all of this was only contingent upon them getting travis montana and the gang involved in this which is the most insane of coincidences that this works out that way 
So you attack something on Saturn so that the guys, the cops on Jupiter will go, ooh, ooh, uh, it's a crime. We can't do anything about somebody who's threatening to destroy one of our cities. But uh, I'll tell you what, let's hire a bounty hunter to, uh, you know, catch the guy and then he can turn it over to Saturn and then we won't have any problem with that. It's like, yeah, or you could catch him and turn him over to Saturn. And... uh, and but, oh, I but, know it's complicated because but, but, of the jurisdictional thing. That's not the way it works. If I they know, have a credible still, threat, is, but haven't we seen already in the series that that these these police departments just find it easier to hire bounty hunters to do work because the police have to cut through all the all, all, all their red tape, and so the bureaucracy gets in the way of the police, so they hire bounty hunters. Okay, so they hire bounty hunters. So they had to hire Travis Montana for this to work. Still, you know, it, it all it all boils down to there are just too many pieces of this puzzle that have to have been aligned along the way that it just it doesn't work. If there were, if there'd been anything along the way that had made me think that Salvatore was improvising, but but they don't. I mean, they just from the after. Once he's there in his little lab with his Star Trek The Next Generation outfits um, and his his well-dressed gang of thugs, <laughs> um, at that point, he's playing it like this is some grandmaster chess game he's playing. And even that doesn't make any sense. So, excuse me now, Nielsen's... So, Nielsen is on board the Transutopian and she's going to blow it up. Right? Salvatore gets off on the shuttle and he's leaving. So she's going to commit suicide. Yeah. That's that's definitely a suicide run. It is. And Salvatore's out there and they're like, hey, now you're going to die too. Oh, I'm going to call up Nelson and tell her to shut it off. Why would she? She's willing to die for this cause. This idiotic, moronic, ridiculous, unbelievable cause. Well, but it, is, it, yeah. is, it is that, but I never... I never... I'm watching the episode, I never thought of Tara's children as being a bunch of uh, logicians anyway. Well, they're also all willing to die because all of them die. I wonder about those last, for, those last three, those, maybe. But um, Yeah, they're just sitting there going... I'm not sure. Joke's on you. There's a bomb here. I guess the last three are still there. I don't know. We didn't get a resolution on that. Well, Callie didn't appear to be trying to... Turn the bomb off, which I might no. point out that we saw that uh, we saw that same bomb style being turned off by pushing a single button yeah. earlier in the episode. So she could have turned it off. Yes, but give it. Ran. Yes, but given the her attitude elsewhere in the episode, I don't think she really cared to push that button. And and as it was, no, no, I I think I think they're. I think they're all dead, and I think they were smugly waiting for it, which is the part that didn't make any sense. Well, but and the, or course, the fact that Travis was overcome by three handcuffed man men, it, it really it really did stretch stretch my credibility, uh, and it just it kept stretching a little bit more as we got closer and closer to the end of the episode. A part, you know, if it had just been. I don't know. It had just been clear this was a back and forth. Oh, here's an advantage. I'll try to take that. No, if we had seen any evidence that that Nelson was, you know, why she turned. It's if you, 
I will if you watch the if you watch her body language, especially expressions in the face throughout the episode, you see that early on she's terrified by by taking life, mm-hmm. but at the end she's gung ho to take life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her acting's not that good, but uh, she's pretty. I give her that, and she did something that I really greatly appreciate. Obviously, hitting yeah. Percy in the yeah. face, but. Uh, no, I didn't. I I didn't. Uh, I I didn't get that at all. I don't think her acting was good enough to convey that. I think that they flipped that on a dime. When ha ha, let's kiss, and we're gonna blow these people up. Okay, because Salvatore clearly said that was the reason he put her on the ship. He 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 clearly said that's why he sent her because she was going to deliver the ship to them. And if that were the case, then she must have been in on it. And so, therefore, it's all an act. And and if it wasn't all an act, if it wasn't all an act, well, it had to be. To talk to her after she defused the bomb in he, Sin he, City. He, he was hiding behind something, yeah. When, yeah, I mean, he observed her take the bomb, yeah. but uh, he didn't. He didn't get a chance to... So, I mean, that would also imply that he... This, oh, my plan's going to plan. It didn't look like that. It looked like she didn't trust him, he didn't trust her. But, yeah, no, I, I, that was... Yeah. And I also noticed, uh, by the way, uh, it's Sin City I.O. Oh, is that what it is? Their phone I- sucks. <laughs> not 10, it's I.O. Um, so, just uh, okay. thought I'd mention Makes that. Makes not a difference, but okay. Fair uh, enough. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I did notice that Salvatore obviously is not a very close reader of 20th century history. He misquoted J. Robert Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. who quoted the Bhagavad Gita, with, by, and Oppenheimer actually quoted, Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. And that was on July the 16th, 1945, at the first nuclear bomb test. Mm-hmm. Out, out in New Mexico. The Trinity site. Yes. And that, um, and then he somehow, um, Salvatore recalls being, I am Shiva, which, and I'm uh, granted that I'm uh, not up on my Hinduism, but I do know how to read a reference work. And apparently um, Shiva has nothing to do with that because in the Bhagavad Gita, Shiva's not talking. At that point, yeah, it's it's a pretty common it's a pretty common uh, attribution, not that particular line, but that that Shiva is goddess of death. But I don't think that's as you point out. I don't think that's technically right. I think it's just one of those ones that people have really uh, latched onto in pop culture and run with it. Yeah, so, it's actually it's actually Krishna speaking. It's actually technically an incarnation of Krishna, who's in turn an incarnation of Vishnu. Now that makes no sense to me because I'm not a Hindu, but I just 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 reciting it back to you. Cycles, cycles upon cycles upon cycles. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I can read a book that I, I can read. A, I can read in a, in a reference work that Krishna is the eighth incarnation of Vishnu, and I recognize every word. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, you know, and it doesn't it it, and that's not a that's not a brush off. I mean, 
it doesn't matter. He's misquoting something. And it's, I mean, this is, this is one of the better, how do I put this? This is one of the better tenuous links to the title of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of them are, are pretty thin on the ground. This one, at least, quite literally was spoken in the episode. So you can go, okay. It's like, yeah. And yeah, in the next one, it's, it's directly in the episode. And yeah, there are some of these are, yeah. uh, that are pretty head on. Yeah. So um, let's talk about their M.O., Who's who's Emma? The the terrorist children. Okay, terrorist children. <laughs> they they just do whatever they need to do. There's a there's actually a line in this episode somewhere that made me. It was like they encapsulated the entire series in one sentence, and I actually wrote it down. It's when I think Caravaggio is not. Oh yeah. The, so they're in section, I believe, 42, 41, 42, something like that of the ship. And she says, well, lock down section 42. So that I don't work in section 42 or whatever Caravaggio says. I have yeah. no access to area 42. And she goes, it's always something. And it's like, thank you. It's always some excuse that they make up in this show. It's always something like that. Episode after episode after episode. It's always something. <laughs> okay. There we go. Somebody was somebody was talking to me that moment. In that moment, through Percy, they were talking to me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sister. You got that one. You got that one right. Uh, all right. To the MO of the the uh, terrorists. Terrorists. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Typically speaking, a terrorist attempts to exert political influence through the use of civilian destruction, basically. Uh, it doesn't have to be civilian, but by and large, it's designed to shift the political will yes. of... Uh, why is she going after Saturn and Jupiter? Well, that's what I said. Well, they're, they're, not, they're not logicians. Yeah. Um, it... it well, okay, fine. They're not logicians, but, you know, at least the IRA knew to bomb the United Kingdom yeah. and not yeah. South Africa, yeah. you know. I, I got the impression that Harris children were more just ticked off at the human race in general, which is why at the end they're willing to kill three billion people. And my question would be, if they did succeed in killing three billion people, how would that in any way accomplish people going, you're right. It wouldn't. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't. And so. And it wasn't going to bring back Jeremy, the son. No. Did you understand her cancer explanation? It's that apparently the earth is such a slag heap that, and people on earth are apparently so poor that they're the ones who can't afford the gene therapies, afford the gene therapies. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll take that. I didn't get her under. I didn't get her point. It was like, oh, but, out, you're out in space. You don't worry about it. It's like, but, why but is that, that? That was the point. But apparently, if you live on IO, for example, you're more likely to be able to afford the therapy. Because you're certainly far more likely to get cancer out in space. So, yeah. All right. I I couldn't figure out where she was going with that. It's like, and you're gonna blame? Yeah. Okay. But your point, your bigger point is quite absolutely correct, and I picked up on it. Uh, and that is, it's just been better to do something about the Earth. Yeah, 
I mean, or or if you're going to go after it, go after the moon. Because isn't that where all the rich people live who are earthlings? Yes. Earth, moon. Yeah, so I mean, th- those are the people you go, hey, maybe maybe living out here on this boon isn't such a good idea. Maybe you want to be thinking about salvaging the planet. And, 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 you know, carrying this a step further, I can't believe that it is more commercially viable to terraform Mars or to colonize and build domes out in Saturn and Jupiter and than it would be to work on the pollution problems on Earth, which still seems to have a viable, if unpleasant, biome. Right? Yes. I mean, we've been there. It's got it's got air. You don't have to, you don't need a breather suit. Um, it presumably still has a, a Van Allen belt and a and a magnetic field and all those fun things that you need to to not get burned by space and. It it's it it's uh, it's it's an idea. I mean, you hear it a lot in science fiction shows, but typically speaking, the planet has to be irretrievable, or you have to find planets that aren't nearly as bad as uh, you know Mars, which is not a not a good one, but um, and the others are even worse. So, yeah, it, you know, I was thinking about this while I was watching the episode. Um, and and partially because we're you know we're doing the we're doing the Babylon Five stuff and which has got problems don't don't get me wrong it's definitely got some problems too particularly Have you in got, the first oh you got years. into the uh, alien war suit thing uh, through infection yeah, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> ooh, ooh. at the point we are in recording which is probably long you know no nowhere synchronized with this we haven't reached TKO yet though so. Yeah. But anyway, but my but my point is is that there are there are a lot of ideas that have been chucked out in in Babylon 5 and a few of them get discarded, but a lot of them they show a certain amount of internal consistency. You know what what are the implications of finding an alien species, a, a dead alien species and what do you do? How does, you know, is there a patent system or you know all that all that stuff. And Star Hunter for two and two se- or one season and six episodes so far has a lot of ideas and it it just feels like they flung them at a wall and said who can write a script about that idea and there is no there's no thought through of it beyond what I need in this exact moment and that you know, is absolutely typified by what do I need in this exact moment? Oh, I need Nelson to suddenly be all kissy face with Salvatore again and ready to kill herself. I, it's like it just. We need terrorists. Why are they tearing? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just just have them blow stuff. They're they're bad people. Terrorists are bad people. They never have a point. Um, they've never you know, and so yeah kind of but like i said i mean you just watch it and you try to shut the brain off this one wasn't horrible um you know i still like this cast much much better than the previous year's cast i even like rudolfo okay except he seems to be really he seems to be both good and really bad at his job right i mean he he actually seems to be a competent bounty hunter and yet 
every time he follows somebody, they make him. Oh, they've made me! Not, well, just, uh, without, without giving a spoiler, um, we'll see how he performs in the, in, in the next episode. Yeah, I mean, but I like him a ton better than I did in the previous, uh, previous series when he was just a, a nuisance at the beginning. Yeah. Um, well, he, he is better in the second season. Yeah. So, and Percy's better in the second season, although still think they're writing her with a set of die. <laughs> you know, like, all right. It's like a, it's like a game of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, you rolled a 20. All right. Percy's going to save the day. Oh, you rolled a two. Let's have her break things. She's decided to torture people. I, I, <laughs> I don't, uh, why, why did she do that? She just, was she, was she mad that the, she was called a can dweller or that she walks funny? I thought that was a fantastic excuse for making up for the way she walks funny. I will mm. say that. That's yeah, a way of doing she, it. I can, okay. I will stay spoiler free here. I'll just give you a hint. This season is building to a point where Percy is going to break down. Going to break. She absolutely will. Going to break down. Okay. Whoo! I thought she cracked twelve years ago. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see where that goes. Okay, but um, I do. I do have a question. I've had this question for years. Ever since I finished the first season and got into the, got into the second season some mm-hmm. years ago. And that was, well, I'll, I'll think of how many years it was later, but it, it's been over a decade. The, uh, what happened to the Earth at the end of the first season? Yeah, it's a darn good question. I have that here in my notes. Well, my uncle saved the Earth once. Does she even know that? He, I guess she, yeah. Because she, she went into the thing about, you know, and... Ah, about the same time they were about to go, ah, and, and <laughs> how would she know that he saved the earth unless it's just, oh, well, it's still there. It's still there. I mean, as, as, at the end, throughout in the last half of that first season, there was this on and off story about the seeds. Yeah. And then and it was supposed to be where they're going to re it's it's an it's a quick form of terraforming, of restoration of the atmosphere, right. cleaning up the environment, and then right on the at the end of that first season, on a dime, it no is going to kill everything. Yep. And that was the big yep. tension builder at the end of the first season, and then the raiders did see the atmosphere and the shuttlecraft. Uh, with Dante and Travis in it was crashing, and then they, they both went into hyperspace, and the shuttle crashed. Okay, and... remind me, remind me. Now they did put the seeds in the atmosphere. I thought somehow that involved Dante's shuttle, but I no, the, the, that was the Raiders. So they were trying to go do a warp thing. They were trying to do a a, a, a divinity cluster thing to destroy the seeds. Yes, that's right. That's what they were trying to. Well, maybe they succeeded, and maybe, maybe the seeds. Maybe went they back did. To where Dante and and uh, maybe they did, and maybe that's how Dante saved the Earth. But it's not at all clear in that ep- in the episode. Okay, right. And so, so then we get to here, episode season two, episode six, and the Earth is there. Rodolfo um, is talking about it, um, like being um, a sewer, and 
In fact, uh, we'll hear about Earth on and off throughout the second season. And it's and the attempts to restore it are a major effort. Well, I suspect they are. But uh, is that a is that a bigger effort than bringing life to Mars? <laughs> yeah, that, that seems that seems hard to believe, to be quite honest. <laughs> it's like, I mean, you could you could screw the planet up pretty good. I, I agree. You know, my thought, uh, just to carry this back to the the seeds. And this is strictly because these guys seem to, you know, snag ideas from wherever they get. I just kind of got the whole Genesis device thing out of it. Ah. Right? So, yeah, it will terraform the planet Earth, but it will do so by replacing what's there. Now, obviously, that's kind of silly, considering that they're a handful of seeds. But um, how a handful of seeds could do that anyway is, is... Yet another one, but that was the only thing I could think of, is that it was going to break down whatever was there to use it to make to make life. You know, otherwise, it's like, sure, hit the earth, have fun, do it. <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. Um, I'm sure the people living there would be appreciative, and the people who are stuck on the moon should be appreciative. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I, all right, um... <laughs> there there was one moment of hope that was when um uh uh Nelson punched Percy and she was lying on the ground and then they were and she says yeah these people don't deserve any compassion let's blow them all up and Salvatore says standing there with a gun next to Percy prostate body and said um uh, uh yeah there's only one thing to do and I thought oh is he gonna shoot her and he didn't he just walked off. It's like, eh, darn, he should have shot her. Right. <laughs> I mean, again, he should have shot her. And, and, I, and I, this is not me picking on Percy, right? He's going to kill all these people anyway. He's going to blow up the ship. He's going to kill three billion people. Why did you balk at not shooting her and eliminating the problem? I mean, if you're going to go, go big. Go smart. This is This is... Now, before I kill you, I'm going to tell you my whole plan and then strap you into an incredibly intricate device that will take uh, a few hours to kill you, and then I shall leave and not watch. That It's almost that level of... Uh, James Bond villain. Yeah, it, it's it's almost that level, except he didn't even bother to tie her up. I, I, I mean, I understand people don't understand this whole thing about being unconscious, but you punch somebody in the face... They're probably really not unconscious. You hit them in the nose, you might kill them the right way, but you probably are not going to knock them unconscious or just stun them. So the fact that Percy just immediately got up was perfectly believable. That they had left her alive was not perfectly believable. All right. We did get an update from Biocrime. Don't know if you got that, if you picked up on that. Uh... Doesn't ring a bell. It's at the beginning of the episode when um, Travis was talking to the Jupiter Fed cop. New cop, yeah. Yeah, the new one. And that uh, was the detective. His his character name is just Detective. Doesn't even. Yep. No, no name. Doesn't but, warrant a name. Name. Yep. But apparently, and Travis asked, what happened to Gus and Arnaud? And the detective says they cashed out after the father abode mess. 
Yeah, yeah, he was just mumbling. I wasn't paying much attention to what he had to say. <laughs> okay, I, I knew he said something, but it, it, about, about that. I thought he was actually talking about the um, uh, uh, the cop that he dealt with last time that made a big deal of not liking uh, Callie. I thought that was who he was referring. What happened to Buff and the love? And it's like, oh, he cashed out. And I was like, okay, I didn't realize it was talking about the two uh, crooked cops. Yeah, okay. those guys. And yeah, apparently, Sin City, S Y N City, yeah. is a sin, S I N City. Um, how's that for double entendre? Because apparently, m- many of the surveillance cameras don't work because people don't want to um, have the cameras record their sin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other thing that I thought was interesting was the most interesting thing <laughs> was in the background, the, the Tannoy voice was saying that all of our dancers are certified human ah that's clever now what would they be if they're not certified human we haven't seen a lot of robots around here maybe maybe holograms something because we do we do have holograms yeah i guess i i thought that was an interesting uh, an, an interesting line but i'm like well there are no aliens in this universe except for the uh transcendental ones yeah the transcendental ones so and the clone people that that we saw that they make for those people are human, right? right? Y- and, yes, they are. They're just cloned humans. So, yeah, I guess maybe if you're cloned, you're not a certified human. No, well, it could be that. Maybe, that could be at could uh, be you're not USDA grade. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Apparently, yeah, I missed that one. Um, also, um, you gone to Terra is a euphemism for death. I. Uh, I sort of vaguely recall somebody saying something along that line in there. Yes, and I did look this up. Lagrange points are real. Yeah, Lagrange points are real. They don't work like that, though. No, but um, but they're, apparently they're real. So. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And the L five society's been around for ages. They've wanted to put a, a space station in the L five point, um, which is there are only two stable ones, L four and L five, I believe. And for some reason, L four is. I think L4 leads the Earth and L5 trails the Earth. In yeah, the I'm, I'm looking at a diagram right now. I see L1 through L5. One is, I think L2 is on the backside of the sun. L2 is on the backside of the L2, sun, if I recall correctly. Well, the sun's in, here. Or there, it looks like it's, it's um, around Mars. Well, so, now, so what happens is that one is... So like one of the Lagrange, quote-unquote Lagrange point, is... is the place where people do that whole idea of there might be a hidden planet that we can never see because it opposes the earth. And then there's one that leads earth's orbit and there's one that trails earth's orbit. That's four and five. And then the other two are, the other two are unstable for some reason. L three is on the other side of the sun. Okay. L three is on the other side. So L two must be the one closer. L two is closer. Yes. I'm looking at it. It's, okay. just, it's, it's just past the moon here on this diagram. But the Lagrange okay. point has to do with two large objects that are orbiting each other. That and the reason is this makes no no sense is that they just obviously heard Lagrange points and decided they were going to give a lecture on it. And they didn't even really give a very good explanation of it, considering the amount of dialogue they expended on talking about Lagrange points that had 
nothing to do with Lagrange points because it's it's all about putting something in a in an orbit and you wouldn't have it in a system like that i mean there are no listed lagrange points on the moons of jupiter because there's too much stuff going on right i mean that's what perturbs all these points is that you put more things into the equation and then you lose it but with something like the earth i think i if i recall correctly and don't quote me on this. Astrophysicists, please tell me. I think the reason that some of our Lagrange points are unstable is because the Earth, it's not the Earth-Sun that's the issue. It's the fact that the Earth is the Earth and the Moon. And the Moon and the Earth form one mass, right, that, that right. goes around the Sun. And the Lagrange points have to do with the, the point mass, right? So the, the theoretical point between the Earth and the moon where the where the mat the center of mass exists and then because the moon is orbiting the earth that center of mass is changing a little bit and so that so yeah they're they're i think that's why i think that's why ours are not fantastic and i i don't remember what the reason was that l5 was the one that the l5 society had chosen as being the theoretically best location but but they're all um they're a little compromised so or useless because i think the one on the opposite side of the sun probably wouldn't do us much good for a space station no uh, probably right not at the moment. yeah so but yeah that was a weird that was a weird scene well because of the lagrange points it's like wait what and then he started talking about it as if these people wouldn't know that if 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 it's a navigational issue which uh, well, okay, let me rephrase it. I'm sure that there is a point that meets those requirements between any two physical objects orbiting each other, but so I don't want to go out and say that there's no such thing as a Lagrange point between Adrastia, Adrastia and, and Jupiter, but there are so many other things going on out there that they're probably meaningless to have one. So anyway, that was... Uh, it's just odd. Just odd. Oh, I one other thing. So yes. Travis has never met this cop, detective. That's right. Who walks up to a complete stranger, even though you think you know who it is, who walks up to a complete stranger sitting and having an eat and goes, that stuff will kill you. Montana, right? Who, who does that? <laughs> I can only assume that Travis apparently made some allies in the government of the Jupiter Federation and his pictures on file. Yeah, no, I get that the guy recognized him and so he yeah. went to him, but that's that's your open, opening line? That yeah. stuff will kill you. Like, how about Travis Montana? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm Detective Nameless. You know that stuff will kill you, right? Or, or <laughs> just... Uh, yeah. All right. Got anything else? Um... No, uh, the next episode in Star Hunter Redux is the third thing. And to answer your question about the link of um, the title of the episode to the subject matter of the episode, the program inside the episode, episode seven, is the third thing. Third thing. All right. Well, I've seen the previews enough to know it involved television. Well, it's well, so. it's it's close. It's, well, hollow visions more like it, but apparently Ow. in the future it's hollow vision. But uh, and it's uh, we get to um, learn about reality TV of the future. 
Just what we need. More reality TV. Okay. <laughs> Just what we need. Right. Okay. Kenneth, thank you. My pleasure. Listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter, our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at Patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series, Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.